one thing we really want to touch on, um, which is going to be a core theme and it will run through um, the entire presentation, will be uh, the theme of collaboration. Um, for us, collaboration is really the heart of what we do and it's been really central to the success of, of our projects and our UCD process. Um, so we'll be talking about the different teams which we collaborate with, um, how that helps transparency, how it helps um, our personal brand as a team uh, grow throughout the business as well. Yeah, so I guess the takeaway for me really is is just don't be afraid of AI. Like, I think it's there to to help. It's there to make you better at what you do. So, yeah, maybe maybe just be inspired to to try some of the tools. So I actually think content and digital and funerals, just like every other touch point in life, it has a part to play, and we have to take that part really seriously and do our best. I'm going to be focusing on uh, user research, uh, unsurprisingly, and particularly in the context of artificial intelligence, so AI within user research. And uh, and I want to kind of reflect on some of the uh, conversations I've had with guests on this podcast over the last few weeks and months from various parts of the world about their own views on um, user research and AI within user research as well. Hi, I'm Mike Green, and welcome to Understanding Users, the podcast where I chat candidly with UX design and research professionals from around the world to hear about how they build digital products and services in a user-centered way. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a senior UX creative designer, and I work for Leeds Building Society, and I've been there for the past two years. And welcome, Joe. Lovely to chat to you. And you're going to be, uh, well, you and a couple of colleagues, I understand, are going to be speaking at the forthcoming Digital Experience Leads event, which is happening towards the end of September. Um, Tell me a little bit about the talk that you're you're going to be giving and and what you hope people will take away from it. Yes, certainly. So, um, so really, what we want to do is we want to take the audience on a a bit of a journey. which is really going to be centered around our user-centered design process. And we're going to talk a fair bit about how it's evolved over the last couple of years. Um, and within that, we're going to probably talk about the methods which we use to help us refine the UCD process too. So we'll be talking about things like retros and how we run check-ins with the team as well to see how they're finding the process and areas of concern or maybe input that they have in order to actually uh, enhance the process. Um, and I think really on top of that, what we really want to kind of uh, dig into is kind of go through um, our team. Um, we have a multidiscipline team, which which is made up of designers, uh, UX researchers. We've got accessibility consultants um, and service designers too, which is fantastic. So we've got a really, really strong team. And we're going to really talk about um, how we make the UCD process work for, the, for this entire team. It's one thing having one, people with one or two disciplines in the team and having the UCD process work for everybody. When you have multiple different people, with different disciplines, different skill sets, um, it, it can get a little bit tricky here and there. And so we want to talk about how it works for everyone and, and what we've done um, to make it successful. 
And I think one thing we really want to touch on, um, which is going to be a core theme and it will run through um, the entire presentation, will be uh, the theme of collaboration. Um, For us, collaboration is really the heart of what we do and it's been really central to the success of of our projects and our UCD process. Um, So we'll be talking about the different teams which we collaborate with, um, how that helps transparency, how it helps um, our personal brand as a team uh, grow throughout the business as well Um, and again it's just so key to be able to tap into all this SME knowledge which is peppered around the business in these different teams and holding workshops and things really really helps this um, to kind of tap into that knowledge so we'll be talking about that as well Um, and I think one thing we really want to do is we want to uh, take the UCD process, show it at a high level, and then what we're going to do is we're going to probably delve into two or three different areas, take a bit of a deep dive into them, and maybe uh, explore them in a bit more detail and go through how these parts of the process have evolved as well over the past two or three years. Um, so myself, Sasha and Amy will be taking a section um, and we'll be going into a bit more detail on that, and that's quite that's really, really going to be interesting, I think, for a lot of people. Um, so we've got a really good presentation together. We're really excited about showing it and we've got some great stuff to, to go through and get feedback on too. So I guess in a nutshell, that's what we're, what we're doing there, Like That sounds great. And um, is it your first time um, presenting at the Leeds Digital Festival? Have you been before? So for myself personally, it's the first time. Uh, I couldn't do it last year. I think I was on holiday, which is a real shame. Um, so Kelly obviously did it last year, uh, who's our who heads up the design team, um, the UX design team, I should say. Um, and we had our accessibility consultant, David, as well, who talked last year too. And I think that was really well received uh, and it was a great talk. So uh, yeah, we're going to have a few more of us involved this year, say myself. Sasha and Amy. So Amy, as, as you, you may have known from the, the LinkedIn profiles, is our UX research lead. And Sasha um, is with me, who is the senior creative in the team. So yeah, we, we're really kind of uh, looking forward to doing this. It's going to be, we don't want it to be too too uh, uh, strict and straightforward. We want to kind of make it quite relaxed. Uh, so we've got one or two little ideas about how we're going to make it interactive. And it's going to be great, I think, to everybody. Yeah, I look forward to that. And what about the other talks and the other speakers on the day? Is there anything particularly that's, that's piqued your interest or you know, particular things that you're looking forward to hearing from, from other perspectives? I think it's a great question, actually. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a great talk which I'm really, really interested to seeing around design systems. Um, and I've, I've, I've applied to go to, to see that. Um, I'm really looking forward to it because that's something I'm really passionate about is, is the design systems that we have and how they've evolved as well. So um, I'm going to be interested to hear... Um, uh, about the, the the speakers and, and how they approach their design systems in their companies, and I'd love to make comparisons about what we do as well, um, and and try and take some 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 really key uh, points from that, and um, some things that I can take away, my team can take away and build on. And um, so, for instance, we have uh, Figma libraries, and we've recently created Azure library as well for all our components because we do a lot of um, more advanced prototyping um, within Azure. Um, and it's an area which we've really expanded into and found really, really useful. Uh, and so it's in its infancy, really, I'd say, the Xure, um design system. So we're really starting to build on it. But it's it's going to be really, really good to kind of get some more input on on how the people do things. So that's one of the, the main things that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And how would you say, Joe, that um, product teams, design teams can always ensure they are working with uh, users at heart? you know, in a user-centric approach? 
Yeah, it's a really, really great question again, Mike. Um, I think there is a few things we can do. Um, I think we have a real, real emphasis on user research and our research function has really matured over the last couple of years and it's it's really our go-to thing. Um, so we spend a lot of time now in our discovery phase before we even look at any of the designs. So we'll we'll look at what we have. We'll talk to custom to customers to um, to users um, to really really try and understand what their problems are. Um, and one, I don't want to give too much away, but one of the things which will will really kind of answer your question is uh, we're going to be doing a, a fair bit of work, a bit of talk on personas as well, um, and how we've actually. Um, really kind of got a great set of personas together to kind of answer that question as such really um so yeah i don't want to give too much away but but our personas are really really helpful in doing this we've got a great set together now um which really do mirror our our customer base um so yeah that's that's going to be exciting i'll I'll look forward to hearing that particularly because personas (laughs) is an area of interest to me and i always end up scratching my head slightly over you know designing them and using them with teams um that's great final question then joe in terms of how UX as a discipline will evolve, uh, you know, over the next three to five years, and obviously, you know, with the explosive rise of, for example, artificial intelligence, t- tell me more about kind of what your what your view is of three to five years out and where we're going. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting question, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's really good. I've seen that you know artificial artificial intelligence is a real theme in this in this year's um, festival. So it's going to be great to hear some some of the input that some of the more uh, advanced people have on on their knowledge around that. I think. Um, it's it's a great question. I think we, we we really have to kind of learn to work alongside this, don't we? We've seen already in Miro that they're kind of introducing um, little snippets of AI and how they're kind of embedding it in their tools and how it's kind of helping um, just to those little tasks in these tools that we have. So, for instance, we use it in our retros a little bit um, when we're using Miro just to sort to sort information out and and those tickets out, and it obviously writes summaries for you on certain topics. So. Again, it, it, we, we're still learning how to use it, um, and I think it's going to be really, really key, isn't it, for everybody to be able to work alongside it uh, and just kind of uh, understand how we can utilise these features to our benefit. I also think really that uh, something that's perhaps not been talked about as much recently, I mean, it was maybe a couple of years ago, is AR and VR, I think, as well, and products that rely on voice command. I think this is still going to be a really big area. And I think because there's so much technological advancement going on, I can almost see whole new subset almost of these UX specialisms being born from these tech advancements which so you'll have maybe um, a whole subset of, uh, um, of of UX specialisms which are devoted to AR for instance or VR I think that's probably a way off yet but I think for me it's going to kind of go that way I think we're going to get very specialist um, in these certain areas again it's a really exciting topic and I'll probably be wrong <laughs> who knows but um, it'll be great to see what happens. So my name is Mark. I'm a UX consultant at Liner Mason. And Mark, you're talking as part of the upcoming uh, DX Leads uh, session that Liner Mason are running uh, at Leeds Building Society at the end of September. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, foolishly volunteered myself. So um, yeah, I will be talking um, around, well, it's actually titled Amplifying Your Process with AI-Driven Tools. Um, so in a nutshell... Um, just looking at, you know, I guess with the ever increasing AI tools that are supposed to help us with our role, it's it's kind of a way of just being, you know, getting getting to grips with it really, and just seeing what what can actually help us. Um, so there's a bit of fun in there. There's a 
a bit of kind of exploration of some different tools, so things we can use uh, during user research, um, things we can use um, in design, and it, it's kind of really just getting people to experiment in their kind of day-to-day roles. Like for me personally, when AI kept cropping up, I was quite skeptical about it. And I was like, well, I've got two two choices here. I can either go away, explore it, see how it, it does benefit uh, my role, or just, yeah, ignore it and hope it goes away. But actually, you know, the flip side is once you do get into it, there are some really powerful tools out there that can, you know, just make your life easier. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's that in a nutshell, really. So give me some examples, Mark. What tools have you tried recently uh, that you've particularly liked, maybe disliked, kind of anything that stands out at you, um, uh, you know, and how have you used them? Okay, yeah, so uh, there's there's a couple, actually. So, I mean, so chat, chat GPT is obviously uh, the obvious one. So, you know, just using it in terms of being able to, ask kind of, you know, what questions should you ask in a user interview? Um, simple, simple use cases like that. Or I don't know, it could be, tell me 10 things about a certain industry that I need to be aware of. Um, just, you know, just to get additional context. So it's not necessarily using it to do my job per se, but using it to inform, um, you know, whether inform like elements of, the research I'm going to do, I'll understand more about an industry before I go into a kickoff call. Um, so things like that. But then there's also kind of more, I guess, powerful tools, which I still believe is a way to go. But I use one, otter.ai, which is it's basically something you can use when you're doing user interviews. Um, and you can use it as like a transcribing tool. Um, for me, with a particularly strong Yorkshire accent, it didn't work out too well, um, so I I I tried transcribing one of the interviews uh, just to see you know if it saves time. So if you think about you know having maybe twenty five sessions that are an hour long each, and you've got yourself kind of facilitating the meeting, and you perhaps got a note taker, that's a lot of time and effort. So I was like, okay, can can we use tools like this to you know save time? So let's try it and. In the end, you actually spend more time trying to fix the mistakes of the transcription. Um, so you know, there's still there's still, I guess, progress to be made. I'm, I'm sure they've you know they've got plans in place to to improve it. But yeah, certainly for me, it it, it, it didn't work. So how do you see um, tools like the ones you mentioned kind of impacting your your work going forward, Mark? How do you see building them into whether, you know, a role like your role or a role like yours elsewhere? So I guess I see them as supportive um, is probably the word I'd use to describe them. Um, I think as with probably a lot of UX professionals, when, you know, AI kept coming in, we was like, oh, we're doomed. We're going to lose those jobs, this, that and the other. Um, maybe a natural reaction, uh, possibly an overreaction. But I think, yeah, just... There's a lot of stuff out there, like AI has existed for a long time. It's built into, you know, design tools that we use these days. So, you know, Figma's got a lot of AI specific stuff, which might not necessarily be labeled as AI. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's just about, I guess, 
a case of exploring it, seeing what works for you, seeing what doesn't, seeing what actually does help, and and obviously getting a good understanding of actually is this is this helping me or is it hindering me? So, Mark, what is the key takeaway from your talk for those who attend? What what, what kind of practical advice or tips do you want them to take away that they could perhaps you know try out in their own work yeah so i guess the the takeaway for me really is is just don't be afraid of ai like as i've mentioned as long as people don't see it as a threat to their role um i'm sure it may be in other industries in other areas but i think it's there to to help um you know it's there to make you better at what you do so yeah, maybe maybe just be inspired to to try some of the tools. Um, like if someone literally goes away and just plays around in chat GPT, because that's all I did. I just started typing commands in just to see what, what came back. And over time, you kind of realize, oh, actually, I need to ask stuff in a specific way. And yeah, just try it. Like what's, what's the worst that could happen? And what about other like more visual tools like uh, Dali or uh, you know Mid Journey, Stable Diffusion, those kind of thing? Have you tried those out? And- uh, yes, yeah, so I, I did do. Um, I wrote a blog post actually for Line and Mason um, around this. So it was is how you could use um, AI tools like that in order to uh, generate kind of um, like an art direction, an inspiration. So. I um I recall doing I was asking for it was to do with an app so it was a hypothetical type project but it was to do with an app around uh, like health and fitness and being able to track um, your workouts so I wanted quite powerful imagery around you know people working out and I was asking it to generate images like that and it got very kind of dark and deep uh, <laughs> but yeah I mean check out the blog first because there's there's a lot of interesting bits on there and. And actually, how you can, you know, use these tools to to help you. So, so yeah, for me, I think I like the uh, the image driven AI tools that are out there. Um, from a actual design perspective, I think it's probably it depends what you're designing, but certainly for uh, designing kind of websites or applications, it's probably not it's not there. But for like generating, I guess marketing imagery and things like that i think yeah it's fantastic brilliant what you can do um but yeah yeah for me i think i prefer the kind of text-based ai tools they're the so final question then mark um how do you see the future of ux design as a discipline kind of evolving and i know we've talked a lot about ai but sort of beyond that if there is a beyond that um roles like yours kind of over the next five years, whether it be in, a, in an agency like Liner Mason or kind of in a corporation, as it were, how, how do you see that role evolving? Yeah, good question. Um, for me, one thing I've noticed recently is, that's what I say recently, probably over the last maybe six to 12 months, is there was, a, I guess, a boom of UX. It was UX everything, like, I think a lot of roles just kind of all fell underneath the the UX umbrella, um, and I think that's that boom or that that big surge seems to have kind of tailed off slightly, and I think that's probably linked to the economy. Um, I, I know from looking through LinkedIn, I've seen a lot of UX professionals kind of open to work recently, and obviously, a few large corporate corporations have been, I guess, downsizing their teams. Um, 
So I think that's just, I guess, a, a wave we've got to ride. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I can't see how we can all kind of continue under that, you know, large umbrella. I think roles need to be become more specialised, perhaps. I think whilst we're kind of riding this wave of, I guess, uncertainty from a from an economy point of view, I just think it's a great opportunity to be, all right, well, AI is here. It's not going away anywhere anytime soon. So take the time to, you know, upskill and, and kind of almost just become more valuable to whether that's your current employee or whether that's a future new employee. Like, My name is Helen Lawson. I'm a lead content designer at Co-op and I work specifically for funeral care. And Helen, you're going to be talking at uh, Digital Experience Leeds uh, at the end of September this year. Tell me a little bit more about your talk. Uh, you know, what, what, what kinds of things you're going to cover? Uh, the talk is called Death and Other Difficult Words, and it's a talk that came out of some work I did about five years ago, creating the tone of voice principles for co-op funeral care. And it's all about how we should speak about and be brave speaking about death, dying and bereavement and using the right language. So there are lots of examples on words that we should and shouldn't use, but also it sort of inspires people and helps them, I think, uh, feel more confident talking about this subject, which some might find taboo. I don't. So if you were to sort of summarise, what's your kind of key takeaway? What do you hope uh, those attending the event will, will take away from your talk? Key takeaways from my talk are um, different for everybody. I suppose it depends how much, uh, how close you want to get to this topic, because it isn't easy for everybody. At the beginning of the talk, I always do a little caveat. If you need to step out, that's OK, because it can touch some nerves, it can trigger some feelings for people. But um, apart from learning about the importance of using honest language and avoiding euphemisms and practical tips like that, I really like people to come away from my talk feeling more confident about talking about death and dying with people in their work, if it matters in their work. I mean, it's amazing how often uh, writing about death will touch people's work. If you work for a bank, people die, you have to close down accounts. If you work in you know, all sorts of digital services, people do die. And sometimes your service has to reflect that and help people through that. So it can affect a lot of people. But also I like it when people come away and they might call someone who they know was recently bereaved. Or they might just pop in to see a friend and ask, how are you after your dad died? I know it's a couple of years ago now. And just be a little bit braver in not just the work that they do and words that you use in work, but also in life. Take something away and maybe you know, go and talk to somebody who's been through a difficult time and just feel brave about, and if they get upset, it's okay, you didn't upset them. It's about talking to them and giving them an opportunity to be upset. Wow, absolutely. I look forward to that. That sounds like a fascinating talk. Tell me a little bit, I'm, I'm interested, the, you know, digital and funeral care are perhaps not obvious bedfellows. Uh, and I, I don't know why I say that. I know no reason they shouldn't be. But I'm interested to hear how the growth of digital is impacting the work that, um, you know, funeral care providers like Co-op, um, you know, how you know how the work you do is is impacted by that and how things are changing. And I'm thinking particularly in things of, you know, AI, which is also going to form part of the, the Digital Experience Leads event. How do you see uh, that industry kind of changing over the next few years? Well, I mean, there's the obvious one of the website and I write for the website and there are more and more things that you can now do on the website. You can not entirely plan a funeral online, but you can put a funeral together 
online in our online funeral planner. So there are some people that are choosing not to speak to somebody and do something digitally. And their journey has to be as empathetic and clear as somebody speaking to a person in a funeral home. Um, we also sell funeral plans online. So there's that's a sort of a fairly straightforward transactional thing, but it's about your own funeral. So the sensitivity around how you talk about that. Um, in terms of AI, I don't know and I don't want to know how AI is going to affect uh, people who write about funerals because you cannot replace that human empathy. And I would never want to be seen to be out of a job. I'm one of those content designers who doesn't like it, who you know really believes in um, the skill and the experience that we bring to our profession. But it, it is, you know, we even have a form online where you can tell us someone has died. So you don't have to speak to a funeral director and we can arrange somebody to come and collect somebody after that. And you know what's interesting is that the, the average people using that form where they don't want to speak to somebody is because they have to tell us that a child has died and they can't say the words. So imagine having to do that and imagine having to do that or choosing to do that online because that feels easier. But how do we do that in such a sensitive way that gives them the comfort that they've done the right thing, help is going to come, you're going to be in safe hands. So I actually think content and digital and funerals, just like every other touch point in life, it has a part to play and we have to take that part really seriously and do our best. Before we wrap up this episode, I should also say that I'm also giving a talk at Digital Experience Leads 2023, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to be focusing on uh, user research, uh, unsurprisingly, and particularly in the context of artificial intelligence, so AI within user research. So as we heard earlier in this episode, Mark um, was talking about AI tools in the design space. I want to talk a little bit about kind of how um, AI within user research uh, is developing, how there are tools, techniques, and ways that artificial intelligence can augment the way that researchers and, and digital teams go about planning their research, uh, collecting it, and, and most importantly, kind of analyzing and making sense of it, particularly with large amounts of uh, data and large amounts of user insight. And, uh, and I want to kind of reflect on some of the uh, conversations I've had with guests on this podcast over the last few weeks and months from various parts of the world about their own views on um, user research and AI within user research as well. So uh, yeah, I've got a short slot as well at, on the day, and I'm very much looking forward to kind of sharing those insights with the attendees, and hopefully they'll take away some more kind of useful uh, thoughts and ideas on how uh, user research can be benefited and empowered through artificial intelligence. So I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Understanding Users. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening, and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Join me again next time when I'll be sharing some more insights from digital design professionals. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.